I think one of the biggest things that I've wanted to do through all of this is to be an example for youth to show that a youth person can lead change. It's okay to be the youngest in the room. Honestly, the youngest in the room is usually the one who they want to hear from. Welcome to the Good Around Us podcast. Here, we share stories of people doing good for others. I'm your host, Stephanie Keeley. The experience of being a child in this connected and technological age is unlike that of any other era. But in some ways, schoolyard dynamics and bullying is a tale as old as time. Our guests today are on a mission to stop bullying, shine a light on youth mental health, and spread kindness. Morgan Guest of Kentucky experienced repeated bullying at eight years old, causing mental and physical health concerns. Since that time, her family has created the Guess Anti-Bullying Foundation. With Morgan and her mom, Susan Guess, at the helm, they've created programs, advocated legislation, and implemented awareness campaigns. Morgan has been recognized as an Ashoka changemaker and received awards for her work on this cause. As a warning, there's discussion of self-harming and suicide, which may be triggering to some listeners. Now, here's their story. So, Morgan, uh, we'll start with you. Take us back to third grade and describe what happened to you. That was the first time that I had ever had any introduction to violence. Um, I was bullied by a classmate. She would pull my hair, pinch me behind the neck and call me terrible names. She was controlling, often had her hands on me, trying to control my movements, um, Like many others, I didn't tell anyone, including my parents, because I thought it would get worse. So by the time my parents did discover it, I was having stomach spasms and panic attacks. I would sit down for dinner and would have to leave for bed because my stomach hurt. My doctor uh, diagnosed me as clinically depressed. And as an eight-year-old, I was prescribed antidepressants, and I took them for a year. Um, The experience with the bully, we asked the bully to be moved to another class. That request was denied. Um, the school plan was for her to remain in the classroom. We were both told, you know, to stay away from each other. And there was no discussion with my class, so no one knew what was going on behind the scenes. Uh, so when we started to go out for the playground for recess, uh, she would get to my friends first, and I would have nowhere to go. And I began to feel that isolation and I felt all alone. So in addition so Morgan, to that, yeah. So yeah. you should, you repeat, you repeatedly experienced this with yes. her, right? Yes. And so then after um, your parents found that out and then they were intervening, talking with the school, did the behavior persist? There was a um, experience that always remains in my mind. Uh, her older sister confronted me in the bathroom. You know, being a third grader, any fifth grader is quite scary. Um, and because there were no witnesses, they chose to believe us both. So that became a place that I wanted to avoid after. That was my goal was to avoid the bathroom. Um, 
and just also that isolation that I felt Mm -hmm. anywhere I went, you know, I tried to avoid her. So it definitely persisted. I think it definitely still took a large mental toll on me. Yeah. So even if she wasn't physically pinching you or pulling your hair, there was so much still going on uh, in that you couldn't be with your friends because she would be with your friends. And then you couldn't go to the bathroom alone because she or her sister might threaten you there. Right. And you were eight. Yes. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to really put that into scope. But yeah, I I mean, I was on antidepressants as an eight-year-old looking back. It's crazy to me. Yeah, because you just internalized what was happening, I guess. And yeah. Precisely. Yeah. So Susan, I, I can only imagine how difficult this would be as a parent for you and your husband to navigate. And um, so you did take action. You did confront the school. But I guess, you know, I'd start with like, why why did you decide to take action as a family? Well, we told Morgan bad things are going to happen in life and we can choose to ignore them. We can blame others or we gave her the choice to do something about it. And, you know, she spent a short amount of time thinking about it. But when she went to her pediatrician, he suggested that she leave the school. He felt she was emotionally unsafe there. And it was at that point, Morgan believed that was unfair, that she had done nothing wrong. And so, um, you know, um, she she says she was only eight and it is true, but um, she took a brave choice to, to speak up. And so as a family, we also made a commitment not to attack the bully or the school to tell the truth, but to attack the issue. And, and I think that's why people came along with us and still support what we do, but it doesn't mean that the early days were not difficult because they were. Um, There wasn't a lot of talk about bullying um, at that time, which is hard to believe because it's been around always. Um, But people just didn't believe it happened in their schools. We had that. Um, And so they felt um, like you know, they were on the tack. Um, as I often say, they fear let too many adults get in the way of protecting a child. And they did. Because, and mm-hmm. I don't know what they were afraid of um, because all we were doing was asking for help. But, um, and again, as, as wonderful as things have turned out, it's, it's sometimes difficult to imagine how hard it was to be heard in the early days. Did you ever hear back from parents as you're sharing your story or school teachers, just, this is just the way kids are. This is just the way it is. It's the way it's always been. Yes. The whole boys will be boys um, kind of phenomenon, even though obviously this was girls, but yeah, we would hear that is, uh, you know, uh, it's just part of uh, growing up. It'll make them tougher. Um, But we never signed on to that way of thinking. And certainly when it causes mental health issues for your child, there has to be something different. And as she said, she didn't tell us. And um, because she said that she was afraid it would get worse. And we've heard that time and time again from other kids who believe that um, the bullying will get worse. But as we tell them, it won't get better if you don't address it. And so, uh, So we started researching it. Again, there wasn't a lot out there. Um, 
We did find that there was a bully documentary being done. And if people have not watched that um, film, it really is an insight to the day-to-day hammering some kids encounter. And sometimes it's not just one kid. Sometimes they can be bullied by multiple kids. Um, And as we learn, 13 million kids are bullied every year. 160,000 kids do not go to school every day because they're afraid. Kids as young as seven are self-harming. And when we started our work, shockingly, we discovered that Kentucky led the nation in teen suicide attempts. So it is real. It is real. And it's more than a phase or something that'll toughen up a kid. Yeah. So as you're, as you're talking about this, you've started, you started some work and you created the guest anti-bullying foundation um, to really start doing some research and advocacy and creating programs. Um, Tell us more about that. So initially it really was research to know what our rights were, what Morgan's rights were, um, and to meet with the school to build a plan around that. And but then we wanted a greater impact. And so Morgan actually um, recorded herself um, telling her story when she was eight. One day it started while we were out at recess. She would start pulling me away from my friends. She'd start pinching me in the back of my neck. And she'd start pulling my hair. I just thought she was angry about something but it keep going on. And she would, and she'd think that that's being nice to me. So she'd hold on to me and, and uh, me. we had a friend at um, WPSD, my, our local NBC affiliate, and they picked up the story. And so um, that's when a movement started happening, both in the fear of some of the uh, people in the community, but also um, people Speaking up, they went to the school, Channel 6 did, and interviewed parents, and they talked about how things needed to be different. And so so that was helpful. Um, And again, we weren't attacking anyone. Um, But then we found this bully documentary, and they were having a national contest. So the top 10 voting cities would get a free screening. The top voting city would get a visit from the screen um, writer um, and the producer. And so the community rallied around us. And We ended up uh, third. We were number one at one point, and we did a campaign about the top 10 reasons the film uh, person, Lee Hirsch, should come to Paducah, and we convinced him to come, and we had a free screening. Um, He answered questions, and um, so also uh, Morgan uh, found a book, Please Don't Stop Laughing at Us, by Jody Blanco, and uh, we raised $12,000 so we could bring her to Paducah to speak to 12, uh, was it? 6,000 kids in every uh, grades four through 12 in all of McCracken County schools. And then we had a uh, a community event and then she spoke to all school personnel. And so um, that was also enlightening because kids would stand up and say that they were self-harming. They were talking about cutting their bottoms of their feet so no one could see it. So, so I think the floodgates just opened people who had been silent for so long were just ready for their stories also to be told. Yeah, you made it safe for the conversation to start. So that's where it began, and and we continue to do things today. Morgan is now a sophomore at Duke University, and she is still doing work um, from there, and uh, and and the work continues. So, you know, because of her leadership, we've been able to do some pretty cool things. 
Yeah, Morgan, you've been highly involved in all of this work. Um, you know, you didn't just take an experience that was done to you and and then let your parents run with it. You've really been a part of everything from a very young age. Um, you know, what are the is there anything that really stands out in your mind as as your your favorite or just a really um transformative program or activity that you've done? Um, in this work to yeah, decrease I think, bullying? I think one of the biggest things is that over time, my peers started to feel that they didn't want to speak to an adult, that they wanted to speak to their their only peer who has shown themselves as, you know, ready to stop bullying and, you know, advocate for mental health resources. And so I started having a lot of kids come to me with issues And although I was super excited that they felt comfortable with me and that they were still getting the help they needed, I'm not a, I'm not a mental health professional. I don't have that training. Um, I didn't know exactly how to help them. And I remember one time I got sent a photo with someone with a gun to their head and it said, it's my time to go. Um, I remember staying up until 3am making sure that nothing would happen while I would go to sleep. Um, And those were dark times. But one of my things that I think both of us are very proud of is we helped open a mental health youth drop-in center in the Paducah area. Um, And that kind of coincides with what we have going on now. Um, The mental health center is for 16 to 25-year-olds, also younger. Um, There are younger nights for them, but 16 is when you can sign for your own mental health services. And it's more of a rec center. You know, you can go, you can play pool, you can do your homework, you can have that computer access, have snacks. And over time, we hope that they feel comfortable sharing what's going on in their lives with these people. The people who are working there are younger, easier to approach. It's less of a clinical kind of um, building. So it kind of gives them that opportunity to feel comfortable. And then what we're doing now with We have a license plate coming up, um, hopefully in the next few months, uh, hopefully by February, we're hoping for. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's a Be Kind Kentucky license plate, and I'm super excited about this. It's, you know, we're hoping that Kentucky can lead the nation um, instead of with the teen suicide attempts like we started, but with kindness. You know, we want to be the example that other cars see whenever they drive into Kentucky or Kentuckians drive into other states and be that great reminder for people, you know. All it takes is one kind act. That's what we always say. Kindness is so easy to do. It just takes that reminder. You know, maybe I should calm down on the road. Maybe I'll be kind later. Maybe I'll do something for someone later. And we're hoping we can kind of spark a movement, um, you know, across the roadway. And all the funding from that goes to the 16 youth mental health drop-in centers across Kentucky. So, you know, it started as such a stressful thing for me, but thankfully, you know, we've been able to come up with a solution that we found works best for those in need in that situation. Um, You know, for my peers to feel like they have somewhere to go, but also for us to continue funding these places, you know, set something up that will last a long time and also just come up with a really cool license plate. So that's really my favorite two things like wrapped up together. Yeah. And and as Morgan said, if just 10% choose that plate, we'll collect $1.7 million over the next decade. And what a difference because we all know mental health services are needed 
and there are more needs than there are professionals. And so, um, so we're excited about that. And Morgan's also um, talked to our governor to see if she can get North Carolina since she's um, there part of the year um, to see if they'd be the second state. And uh, again, we would love every state in the nation to have a kindness license plate. It's a moving billboard for kindness. And Morgan said, it's a reminder that we can all do better. And we all want to do better. It's just sometimes we need that reminder um, of who we really want to be. Yeah. It's, you know, it is, would you say kindness is the antidote to bullying? Is that, is that kind of the flip side? Is that what fixes this? Well, it's probably deeper than that, but bullying happens one act at a time. And we've said kindness happens one act at a time. So how can we get more kind acts? Offset. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Morgan, I understand that this, the mental health piece has always been very important to you. Um, why is that? Why, why is it that you want that to be a big part of your story? I think like how we talked about earlier that there was not a lot about bullying. Um, there was not a lot about youth mental health, mental health in general, and just trying to unravel that stigma that exists around mental health as it did for bullying as well. But, you know, feeling those effects of mental health, being on antidepressants at eight, you know, I was scared to tell anyone I was eight years old. I didn't want people to know that I was on medication. And I remember we were in a meeting one time and someone said that I looked fine. You know, that bullying issues must not be bad because she's fine. And I was fine because I was medicated. And I think that this is a large thing that's happening to so many people. I just did research on it. 9.8 million adolescents are in need of mental health uh, services right now and don't have access to them because there's a lack of a regional support for them. And I think that's so important. It just seems to be a continuous thing that, you know, people need mental health services, especially now after COVID, I think it's more than ever. But even whenever it was happening to me, I needed that support, but I didn't know exactly where to go. And, you know, thankfully we had a wonderful pediatrician who set us up, um, you know, in that way, but not everyone has that opportunity. And I remember in those moments, thinking about other kids that had to go through this, how if they didn't have parents as supportive of mine or, you know, didn't want to move forward as much as uh, we did as a family, it would be extremely difficult to get those services. And I think it's something that mental health is a part of everyone's lives. You can be bullied in one instance and, you know grow up and think back to it, even though it was such a terrible experience, but that mental health stays with you. And I think that it becomes a long-term, mental health is such a long-term thing that we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. And that's why I think we kind of move that shift to kindness because bullying is such a negative thing that kindness as we said that's also one act at a time and it's easier to rally around creating those kinder schools and communities. But before we can fully do that, we have to address these mental health issues that are going on in these communities and with our youth and our adults. And so it's just something really important to me because I've seen the effects of it on myself, on my family. You know, as I said earlier, I couldn't sit down and eat family dinners because my stomach would hurt too bad from my stomach spasms and panic attacks and I think it's something that 
just has remained so important to me, especially in college, you know, living among so many people and seeing how negative comments, um, being away from home, um, missing that support system that continued to lift them up, how losing that has affected their mental health so extremely. And so I think it's something that right now is a, an everlasting phenomenon that we really, really, really need to address as much as we can. Yeah. Susan, do you want to talk to that at all? I agree. And I'm, you know, particularly proud of Morgan for that because so many people um, don't want to delve into the deep parts of pain. Um, And she has won some national awards where that part of the story they didn't want to tell, even though we say it's okay to say that for some reason they were still uncomfortable with it. So we still have work to do in that regard. Um, The veil has been lifted some, but um, we need um, everyone to know and feel comfortable sharing how they feel and and what they need. Because as Morgan said, she's had friends come to her also who uh, wanted mental health services, but their parents would not let them. And so that's another reason these um, drop-in centers are so important is because they can sign for their own mental health services at 16 if their parents won't let them. Oh, but, wow, yeah. Um, one thing, Morgan, you know, there's so many great things that she's done, but really um, the other true change maker was the legislation. Um, she was 12, I think, when she testified to the Kentucky General Assembly Um, We lobbied our governor for three years to appoint a statewide task force. He appointed us both. Uh, Morgan was selected by the group to testify and tell her story. And Kentucky had a bullying bill, but they didn't use the word bully one time in it. Um, You know, when Morgan was bullied, the um, definition our school used was a 220 something word official definition for harassment. I have a master's degree. It was very difficult for me to figure out if we met that standard. It's very hard to meet that standard. So um, um, it's now every, all 640,000 Kentucky public school students are now protected because of Morgan lifting up her story, really. I mean, that um, 26 words, any unwanted verbal, social, or uh, physical behavior, and it does not have to be repeated. And so um, kids have a pathway for help now. If So, so that's bullying now. So we, and the state of Kentucky, due to your work, you have a definition. We now have a definition for bullying that students are protected by. And it's any unwanted. Um, any unwanted verbal, physical, or social behavior among students that involves a real or perceived power imbalance and is repeated or has the potential to be repeated. So all 640,000 Kentucky public school students are protected by that. So if something is unwanted, someone needs to stop it. Yeah. And so now teachers, administrators also have a tool and a resource to say to act. You know, in a way, they didn't have that that tool. That's right. That's right. It had to have felt like in those early days, you, you mentioned how hard it was. It had to have felt like there were systems failing you as parents. Susan, yeah. what was that like? It was very difficult because, uh, one, we wanted Morgan to be a part of it. 
but we also had to protect her. And uh, the mother of our bully had posted a picture of her with a shotgun on her Facebook page after one of our calls asking for behavior to stop. And uh, we had a judge actually suggest that we stop our work. He was concerned for our safety. And, and we had to we had to have a real conversation in, about that because, you know, our first priority is protecting our daughter and ourselves. But at the end of the day, I could not tell my daughter or show my daughter, by example, that when things get tough or people threaten you, that you sit down, that you retreat. Um, it, it was not a lesson that I was going to teach her. So we did press on. Obviously, we were um, cautious. We, we actually went to the police. We did not file a complaint, but we did make sure that it was on record. Um, and so, um, so that was very scary. But also just working through, again, fear. Uh, Morgan and I have said that we have found when we push through fear, there's been something beautiful on the other side. And it's easy to say that now I know, but we did push through it a lot in the early days. And, um, and we needed our uh, school leadership to do that with us. And they did come along um, and they have been supportive. But in the early days, again, they felt like it was going to make a school look bad, make them look bad. And that just wasn't the case. Um, we now know bullying happens everywhere. And so unsafe schools aren't the ones with bullies. It's the schools that don't address the bullying. Mm. Yeah. So Morgan, um, you know, you've shared with us a lot about uh, what you're seeing, but if you were to summarize, what is your message for kids and teens, um, what is it you want them to know? I think one of the biggest things that I've wanted to do um, through all of this is to be an example for youth to show that a youth person can lead change. It's okay to be the youngest in the room. Honestly, the youngest in the room is usually the one who they want to hear from. And I have experienced so many times how people have said that my youth voice was the difference for them. For example, whenever I testified to the Kentucky General Assembly, many people said that they don't know if they would have voted on the bill if I wasn't the one who was telling my story. Even if my mom was telling my story, it would have made a difference for them on their vote. And so I think it's important for youth to know that even though it seems like such a scary thing to kind of throw yourself um, you know, into something that you're passionate about and really hope to make a widespread change, you know, that it's one person at a time. So first of all, that one impact that you're doing is really actually going to make a difference. I think, you know, especially as youth, we get kind of frustrated, you know, we want to get something done right away. We're so passionate and it doesn't always happen that way. You know, you have to play the long game sometimes, but that one effort always makes a difference. And secondly, if you continue to push on, you know, you really can be a change maker on any level, you know, even that first impact, you're a change maker, but you can design that project however you want to, you know, it doesn't even have to be a project as in like, you know, what I've done, I've said not everyone, you know, needs to have that nonprofit, but, you know, anything that they want to accomplish, people are there to help them. I remember every single time we've had a project and we've reached out to her for help, someone has immediately been willing to help me to further something that I've wanted to accomplish, someone that I've wanted to help. 
And, you know, as youth, it's so important that we lift up our voices to the issues that matter to us. You know, we do have to fight to be heard some days. And there are some days I was afraid. I still am afraid some days. But I learned that every time I pushed through my fears, it meant positive change most of the time, or I found something positive either way. So, you know, the way to make real, sustained, meaningful change is through the youth. So I really hope that that can serve as a message to them, that my work, my message can serve as a message to them that, you know, it's time that we do step up. Um, It's time that we lift each other up as well. You know, it's often a competition between youth. How many internships have you had? Um, What did you do over the summer? Um, It's time to really put that away and work together for this change, especially um, in the climate that we're in now. This is a great chance for us to work together. Gosh, I believe that wholeheartedly that, you know, especially uh, young people working together toward things that matter to them. I think you're so right. I mean, that's where the most power is. And don't be intimidated by being the younger voice. Stand tall in it. Absolutely. Yeah. And Susan, what's your message for parents? Well, I think one, you need to educate yourself and um, know what your rights are and the rights of your child. And then, you know, I think it's important to go to your school with um, an attitude of working together. How can you help? And um, and then to create a plan together and then check back in Um Uh, The big thing I tell parents, though, is ask that your child not be interviewed alone, that you should be able to be in the room. We have heard some say that they use this per um, in loco parentis as a way to keep parents out. But uh, we contacted the attorney general on that. Unless they have a policy in place, that isn't true. So also just because people say things doesn't mean it's true. You need to know the rights so that you can challenge that when they say things that aren't. And um, um, again, I think probably my biggest lesson was to make sure you listen to your child. Sometimes I think as parents, we want to go in there and, you know, fix everything. And um, I had to step back a couple of times and say to Morgan, what is it you want? What do you want us to do to help you? Now, again, often they will say, I don't want you to do anything. So you can't always, always follow what they say, but they should be part of the conversation and they should understand why you're doing it. Because as Morgan said, they should have a voice in it. And so, um, so those things are important. And again, I do think schools want to be a part of the solution. Um, and so how you, how you meet with them matters. Um, mm-hmm. um, if action doesn't take, isn't taken, then obviously you might, have to um, do something different. But for the most part, you hope that there's a a collaboration. Mm -hmm. Well, and Susan, when we first met, I know you mentioned like you're an involved family. You all are, you show up in the schools, you'd been around before. And how important do you think that is to be involved in your schools generally? I mean, it, it, to me, it feels like it could have gone differently if you hadn't already been around or a familiar face 
to the school system? I don't know. Um, I, as I said, I do feel like we are popular parents, if you will. We <laughs> we're going to double the number of books in the library. We had spent a fall break landscaping the school. Um, I was room mother every single year. Um, they knew me. They knew me. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, when this issue came, there was a divide. They would not allow me in the school. Um, they decided parents couldn't come in the classroom. Um, so the tide shifted very quickly. And um, and it changed the way I feel about some people because I expected better from them. Um, and one thing I didn't mention, which is probably the most important, is you have to put everything in writing. Everything in writing. Um, because if you don't, we've had parents who... Um, children who have harmed themselves, who have taken their lives. And, you know, the school, there's nothing in writing. So, you know, they could say, well, they never came to me for help. Um, So you have to make sure you document everything, build the story. You have asked for help. Here's what they said they were going to do. And they did, or maybe that they didn't. And so you keep pressing forward. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, in your work, I know you've come across um, some outcomes that weren't as positive as your own. Um, and I think it's important that that we know that um, your story is a good one, yeah. but um, they aren't all. Right. It still is an issue. We've come a long way, but there's, there's still so much. And there's still a ways to go. And we have in our own family, my brother um, was bullied also at eight um, by a teacher and um, he needed to go to the bathroom. One story was, and he raised his hand and the teacher just said no. And he sat there, he uh, urinated on himself. He sat in that all day at school. And, um, you know, those trauma events stayed with him. And at 33, he did commit suicide. Um, he had attempted it 18 times in six months. Most of the time he took pills and called 911. He panicked. And so we know and we are grateful that Morgan's story was so very different. But we've had other stories in Kentucky. Um, the Girl Scouts is one organization that supported us when we were attempting to get the statewide task force. And a 15-year-old girl in Madisonville had just committed suicide. Um, there's a girl from Bardstown. I think, uh, Reagan was 12. She overdosed on cough medicine. I mean, we know the stories, um, in our own state of kids who did suffer in silence or who, um, the pain became bigger than they could manage. And so that is our goal every day. And I'm glad Morgan mentioned that because I, I actually forgot it. Cause we used to say that all the time. One person at a time, one day at a time. That was always our goal every day. As, a, as she said, it's kind of easy. You know, you look at us now and you think of all the stuff that we've done, but it does start small and it is one day at a time, one person at a time. And, and that goal always helped us focus on those who needed help the most. I always end with a quote that you carry with you. Um, so Morgan, would you like to start? What's a, a quote that you love? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my quote is by Emma Shu. Um, And so it's in a world where so many people are throwing bricks at others, be the one who builds bridges with them. It's a good one.
<laughs> Susan, what about you? Mine is much simpler, but I say it all the time, which is when you know better, do better. And that's not just for the people that we encounter, but it's for ourselves. And, and I think when you say, is there something else? I think that's the big thing for us is we, we hope this experience has made us better people. Mm-hmm. Not that we're trying to make the world better, but it is that one person at a time. So we want to be better people every day, start the day. How can I make a positive difference? How can I be a positive person? How can I make my day and others positive? So, so we hope that that is how we move forward every day. Thank you. Thank you both so much for, for sharing your story. I know it is not an easy one to share, but has so much, um, really positive and powerful impact. And, um, I appreciate all the work you've done, not only in this state, but it's going further. I know it is, especially with those license plates. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much. To learn more about the Guess Anti-Bullying Foundation, check out their website, which will be linked in the show notes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and join the conversation over on Instagram at good.aroundus. Finally, if you would like to receive a bi-monthly newsletter with thoughts on leadership, culture, and that relatable pursuit of balance, sign up on my website, thegoodatwork.com. Also, will be linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Good Around Us podcast. Until next time.